This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Got a lot of good stuff for you today. Got to talk Timberwolves here in a little bit. A big win for them on Tuesday against all odds. They shot 13 for 55 from three-point range. That is an awful lot of three-point attempts, and it is most certainly a lot of three-point attempts when you actually win the game, which they did against Charlotte. So, we're going to talk about that tonight as their last game before the All-Star break. So a little bit less Wolves talk after tomorrow, I guess. Tomorrow's show, Dane Moore will join me, and then we'll probably take a little break on the Timberwolves. Um, we have Kent Herbeck on the show in a little bit to talk about the 1987 Twins and to talk about the labor situation in baseball as he sees it, Kent Herbeck. Came up in 1981 with the Twins. That, of course, was a strike season, and his last year in the league was 1994, also a labor-shortened year in which the World Series was canceled. So very uh, good good perspectives from Kent Herbeck on the labor situation. But first, what did I miss? Going to do something a little bit different today because of that Major League Baseball labor situation, and normally... At a time like this, we would be talking Twins quite a bit. This would be the the week when pitchers and catchers would be reporting to spring training, and we'd be thinking about how good is this team going to be this year? You know, can they bounce back from last year's seventy three and eighty nine finish? And I'm sure we'll eventually get to talk like that, assuming this labor uh, standoff is not forever. But today, I'm going to give you a season preview of the nineteen eighty seven Twins as. I see it as I would have probably done it 35 years ago had this podcast existed back then. So here we go. Here's my season preview of the 1987 Twins. Going into this season, I think there's some reason for optimism, but I, I'm, try, I'm, I'm struggling to see what Burt Blylevin was talking about. This was, this, for a little historical context, if you didn't see this, Back in 1986, at the end of at the at the end of last season, um, Burt Blylevin said basically, um, you know, this I believe in this team here. Let, let's actually play the clip. This was from Fan Appreciation Day, October 3rd, 1986. This is what Burt Blylevin said. You know, it was a frustrating year for us. I'm representing the players. We had a lot of players that had great individual years. I was very fortunate in 1979 to play on a world championship club, and I know what it takes to win. And if we can, going into next season, get together as a unit and 25 guys having the best years we're capable of having, hopefully we can bring a World Series to Minnesota. Now, again, that's that's great. That's It amounts to wishful thinking, I think. You're trying to pump up the crowd. You're trying to sell some hope, but... This team won 71 and 91 um, in 1986. 71 and 91. How do you expect to make that kind of leap into 1987? When I frankly, I just don't, I just don't really see it. I mean, the 71 wins. I know, you know, Tom Kelly took over towards the end of the season. They went 12 and 11. Seemed like it gave them a little bit of confidence, a little bit of stability. But guys, those were. September games, those are generally pretty meaningless types of games. Like, I don't want to get too excited about anything that happened in September baseball in over a 23-game span. That's a small sample size. So I think we need to pump the brakes on that. And, you know, more than that, i got to say, where's the pitching going to come from? 
Um, you know, Bly Levin had a pretty good year in, in 86, but he's getting older. You can't necessarily count on him doing that again in 1987. Frank Viola reg- is regressing right now. He took a big step back in 1986. His ERA was 4.51. I know he won 16 games, but he gave up 37 home runs. Bly Levin gave up 50 home runs. I mean, where's the pitching going to come from? Beyond those guys, I don't trust really anybody in the rotation. So, you know, bullpen-wise, I don't really have a lot of trust either. So I don't really understand <clears throat> how they're going to come come through this pitching-wise. I think they've got the hitting. I think I think there's enough offense there between Herbeck, you know, Puckett obviously having a huge year in 86, Tom Brunanski, Gary Gaetti, you know, even Roy Smalley. You're talking about a pretty good offensive foundation, but – you know, pitching wise, I just I don't know how I don't know how they get there, and they're going to have to overcome, you know, an Angels team that won 92 games and should have gone to the World Series in 1986. The Angels have the pitching; they've got the veteran, you know, the veterans up and down the lineup that should be able to get it done. Like, can you really close a gap of 21 wins on the Angels in just one season? I mean, you tried to talk about going from sixth place in the division to first place in the division, if, if that's what we're talking about with, with what Blylevin said. I just, I don't see it. I think, you know, I could see some incremental progress this year, maybe try to get to 500, get above 500. This franchise hasn't even been above 500 since 1979. They had the finish of 81 and 81 in 1984, but have not been above 500 since 1979, have not been to the playoffs since 1970. So, I think incremental progress is a good kind of marker for this year's team. Maybe see if they can get something going with Tom Kelly. But as far as the postseason goes, as far as making the playoffs, like Blylevin said, uh, that's wishful thinking, you guys. I, I just cannot imagine how that would happen this year. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Excited to have back on Daily Delivery today, Kent Herbeck. Needs very little introduction, Twins legend. Um, Kent, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on. A couple things I wanted to get to with you. <laughs> the first, um, listeners might have noticed, I had a little fun at the start of the show here, kind of talking about the 87 team, giving kind of like a fake preview of that season. We will hopefully, we, we wish we were talking about the 2022 season preview at this point. Pitchers and catchers would be normally reporting this week where they're not a labor stoppage, but I thought we'd have some fun and bring some baseball talk into today. So Kent, from your perspective, and again, we're going back 35 years. I don't remember, don't expect you to remember every single thing that happened 35 years ago, but, you know, this was a team in 87 that was coming off of 90 losses. This team hadn't been to the postseason in quite some time. And, I, you know, I think you and I kind of talked a little bit even before we started here that expectations, you know, you're always 0-0 zero and zero at the start of the year. But, you know, when you're coming off a year like that and you don't necessarily have any real reason to think you're a great team, what, what do you remember from spring of 87 and, and, and you know, what you guys thought you had with this team? Well, you know, I'm trying to look back. Of course, like you say, it's 35 years ago, which is, uh, boy, I got to knock out, knock some rocks out of the way and move some dust to try to get back to where that was. But uh, <laughs> it's it, it's a long time ago. But you know what? I'm, I think every year, and I talked to you, I said, you know, just earlier before we start talking on here, uh, 
you're always optimistic when you go into the season with, you know, different moves and stuff you make. And we didn't make a lot of moves that year. Got a couple of guys. We had Bly Levin already had, had uh, joined the club in 86. But uh, you know what? Uh, we had some pretty some a pretty good core of players at that time with Viola, myself, and Puckett was establishing himself at that time. Now he'd been, you know, been in the league for three years, I think, or two or three years. And Gaiety, Bernanski, myself, we had a pretty good core of players. And, and we knew if we could get some pitching, um, well, we didn't know, but we thought <laughs> – but if we got some pitching, uh, we definitely had the offensive power there. Uh, I mean, we had a pretty good, solid group of guys playing already on the team that had been around together for a while already. And, um, you know, addition of Dan Gladden in 87, uh, um, guys, you know, guys came in that filled spots for us and, and uh, things took off. We, we didn't have a great year in 87 either, but we had enough to win the the division. And that's when we really started playing well is when <laughs> – there was nobody at the ballpark all summer long until the last couple, last month of the season. Is that right? I don't really remember too much about that. Does that mean you know? I, I guess that probably goes to speak to you know expectations from from fans too, because you know, like I said, you guys had made a little a little run in you know played well in '84, but you know '85, '86, not uh, you know things hadn't really necessarily gone your way. Trying to establish some of those younger players still. I mean, when you when you are able to put something together, though, as a team, like how 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 do you kind of know, or, or when do you know that you've got a good team that 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 you know that's worthy of not just being confident, but that you that you can win games? Well, I, I thought we had I thought we had that. You know, I'm getting a noise on my phone. I don't know what it's from, but uh, that was me. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got a text. I'll cut that part out. Um, you know what we. We thought we had a good club when we uh, back in '84 and '85. But like I said, we we talked about it and, and uh, um, the core of players. We you know we had, like I said, we had Gaetti's, the Puckets, the Bernanskis, and, you know, myself. We, we all had had halfway decent years, and you know, it always takes everybody to to, to win ball games. Uh, you know, not only the starting nine, but you got to have a good bullpen. You got to have good players off the bench. Um, and we had a pretty good solid core of guys off the bench with Newman and Bush and Larkin and guys coming off the bench, doing the job for you too. And, and, uh, we, we, we knew we could play with the, with the other teams. We weren't scared of anybody. We, we didn't have, you know, we didn't go on tiptoe and we, we went to a ballpark. We were ready to play. And, and, uh, I think the addition of Tom Kelly coming in and, and knowing us guys, cause he had a few of the guys in the minor leagues. I think that had a lot to do with it. He uh, he knew how to put people in certain situations uh, to succeed and not put you in a bad you know position. And I think he really helped out probably more than anybody as far as knowing who he had and where he could play guys and how long he could play guys um, before they needed a break here or there. But uh, um, you know everything fell into place for us. Like I said, we didn't have a great year in '87, but we had enough to win. And um, we got hot in the playoffs. You mentioned TK, and obviously he took over late in the '86 season. I believe you guys went like 12 and 11 in those last 23 games. And I think you know it's September baseball can be a little bit misleading sometimes. There's a lot of call-ups. Different teams are playing for different things. But I know right. that as you know, I know that the narrative has been that 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 
end of the 86 season gave you guys a little bit of confidence. Is that how, is that how you remember it, or at least you know him coming in and you know resetting some things at that point? Well, yeah, I think we had got a little togetherness maybe, and I know uh, you know Blylevin was there, and, and, and Bert had been around, and he gave that big speech at the end of the 86 season. I don't know if you remember that. I do, yeah. Well, people remember that at the end of the season. He grabbed the microphone and said, hey, I think we can do this. And, uh, um, you know, I, I think we've got a good enough ball club. And he had been around for a few years already by then. And, uh, and, and I think Bert saw a lot, you know, he's a guy you could probably talk to that would be able to say, Hey, you know, he saw what, what we had and, uh, the, the different players that we had and how much he liked our ball club. And if we could get things put together, he thought we could make a run or else he wouldn't have said something like that at the end of the season to, to have the people, you know, get ready. Something exciting could happen here. And, uh, you know what? We, we had a, a good group of guys that really liked to play the game and, and, and like to beat the opponent and, uh, try to do things right. And I think TK put that all together for us. And, and, uh, TK was one that always said, Hey, get ready for the first pitch of the game. Um, get that first out, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it sounded old school stuff, but it, it, it prepared us to play the game every day. And got us ready at the start of the game instead of waiting until the fifth inning when you could be down by five or six runs already. And all of a sudden, boom, the game's over with and you lose. But uh, um, I really think he was a, a big a big motivator in, in getting us how to, put, to get prepared to play and play right. And uh, hopefully things would happen good for us, and they did. Yeah. Last thing on 87, then I want to switch gears for a minute. But, you know, Season goes along, you guys get into the playoffs, you you pull in a little bit of a an ALCS upset, and then you get to the World Series, and here you are, and you know the the dome field advantage that also existed in '91 helps you um, that year. I believe eight and zero at the dome in the World Series those two years, um, those those two seasons. What you catch the final out of the the '87 World Series? What you know, it's the first big championship here. What, just that journey, what, how do, you, how do you put it all into words? You know what? It, it, um, being from here, uh, being a Twins fan, since I could put on a pair of spikes, I guess, or a pair of swing of baseball better being a kid, um, it was a pretty special moment for myself. Uh, you know, I probably had a little different feelings, maybe other than maybe not any different than maybe a guy like Tim Laudner, who also grew up here and was our catcher then. But, uh, you know, it, it was uh, something that I wanted to see as a kid, never got to experience. And, and uh, bringing the first world championship to, to Minneapolis was a, a pretty uh, gratifying thing, believe me. I, I, I partied as much as anybody. And, uh, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm waiting to party again. But uh, um, it's been, well, 30 years now, 31 years since, since 91, but 35 since 87. But... It's it's a uh, it was it was uh, you know something that you play for you dreamed about I did it in the backyard uh, as Tony Oliva and Harmon Killebrew and Rod Carew when I was in the backyard playing wiffle ball with the buddies uh, you know you hit that game running home run to to win a World Series or something in the backyard and and uh, being able to catch the final out of '87 was uh, was to me was uh, putting a lot more icing on the cake and. And putting a lot more beers in the cooler that week uh, was a pretty exciting uh, time for myself and and family and friends Let and me, the state of Minnesota. It was it, no, no doubt. Um, 
Now, you mentioned you're, you're waiting to party again. The Twins have certainly had cracks at it in the postseason. hasn't gone their way. And right now, uh, everybody's waiting to party because there's no baseball. You, right. you know, interesting kind of interesting bookends to your career. You come up in 81, which, of course, is strike year in baseball, part of that season wiped out. And your last season in the league is 94 the year where we lost the World Series, no World Series again because of the labor stoppage. Um, I want to ask you, you know, as you think back on that, you know, I don't know what you remember about or your young player or your veteran, what what changed in your mind as you thought about, you know, 80, 81 or 94. But but certainly now, you know, it just it just feels like the sides, there's been a certain amount of acrimony that's hard to watch from a distance. Well, anytime I think uh, you talk with striking players or teachers or union workers or whatever, um, it's never good. Um, yeah, everybody hates to do it, but you, you you almost have to do it sometimes, I guess. And and of course, back in '81, when I was in the minor leagues at the time, and um, they went on strike and they got back to playing, uh, it was a um, you know, you learned when you got up and you talked to all the guys on the big league club then that, hey, we're together. We're trying to make this thing better for the younger players. Um, stick together. You know, we'll make it good for you guys uh, in the in the future. And they definitely did. And then things got a little rocky again with some different agreements and what have you. And, you know, we went on strike again in 94. Uh, unfortunately, it was the year that I had planned to retire and, and uh, you know, missed a month and a half of the season. Um, it was a August 14th or 12th or something that we went on strike in, in the 94. So, uh, and again, we were doing it for the players for the future because, uh, we wanted to make things right for the players and, and, uh, you know, it was a little rift between the players and the owners or whatever, and try to make it right for the guys like they did us did for us back in 81. So, um, yeah, it's no fun. And, and the guys are doing it again. Um, uh, to make it right for the players again. And, and, uh, you know, everybody's going to say, well, you know, they're making millions of dollars, blah, blah, blah. What do you need for this and that? But I think, you know, it's the security factor that the guys are looking for a little bit and, and, uh, you know, just trying to stay together and, and, and be a good, strong, uh, major league baseball players association and, and, and not let the owners take over and, and, uh, you know, run the show they want to they will they want to be a part of it we want to be together with them and hopefully they can get things ironed out and we can get some baseball this summer that would be uh that would be a great thing I mean, you, re- you you mentioned too I mean, it's a it is definitely about the the younger players are trying to take care of especially you know as you think about you alluded to the money in the game and that's changed a lot you know certainly since you were a rookie and then you know you saw some of that money flow in as you were getting to be towards the end of your career, but it certainly has grown uh, outpaced inflation, even though inflation is uh, certainly catching up a little bit lately. Um, it's outpaced anything, really, just the, the growth in salaries in sports. But, you know, the thing we have to remember, too, is these a lot of the uh, players, while they might be millionaires, a lot of these owners are billionaires. And that's, uh, that's, a, a, big, uh, that's a bigger number. That's a bigger piece of the pie and it sounds like you know a big part of this is those kind of mid-level players who come up a little bit later in the career are getting squeezed they don't really have that that earning potential that that a lot of these other players have and it's become a a uh, a game of uh you know really playing these young guys while they can't make a lot of money and then uh, they come they become a little bit disposable at that point 
Right, but and I understand the the fans' point of view too, with what the heck these guys, how much money they need to make, and blah blah blah. But it, it yeah, it's it's they're not doing it to to upset anybody. They're just trying to do for for what like we did for the guys back then. Uh, I know Tony Oliva and Harmon Killebrew and, and guys back in that era wish they could have had a union as strong as we did. Um, to, to you know, take care of them, those guys too. I mean, those guys are the ones that were really hurting after all this, but uh, or the ones that were really not getting what they were due back then when they played. I think, and and um, you know, I just I learned that I didn't think nothing about it until I got involved with with playing the game and and got involved in the major leagues and saw what was going on. So hopefully, like I said, we're we're not doing this. They're they're not doing this right now to. Quite upsetting, but just trying to make things work. And, you know, with the COVID thing going on and losing baseball games and not being able to be at the ballpark. And um, it, it's just horrible timing that this came up now. But uh, I'm I'm optimistic uh, that they can get things ironed out because they don't want to lose another baseball season, that's for sure. No. Last thing, do you worry about the, you know, the overall direction or popularity of of the sport is just kind of watch it from whether it's close up or or a distance because it does feel like there have been some things this labor stoppage aside whether it's pace of game length of play just drops in um, you know attendance and or tv ratings that that suggest that there's some some cracks in the game that maybe weren't there a generation ago when you were thriving yeah you know what the game has definitely changed we all know that um the time of the game has changed uh um and and I think that's true in life in general. I think with everything, everything has changed. Yes, <laughs> you know, you used to take your car in and get it fixed all the time, or change your spark plugs on your car. Now you don't even know where the spark plugs are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hate to to put it in that analogy, but I think it's it's pretty similar to what's going on in in the world. Just different things happen, and the game has changed a bit. Um, and uh, some people, the, the purists, have a hard time watching the way it's played now. But, I mean, that's just the way things have gone, and that's the way the game's going to be played, and that's the way you're going to have to enjoy it because that's the way they're going to play. Right. So uh, turn on the TV, watch the game, and, and hope your team wins. I think that's still the, that's still the bottom line here is you got nine innings, you got to get six outs in an inning, and, and you have to score more runs than the other team before the nine innings are up. And uh, – it's still that same same game, and I think if people try to keep that in aspect, uh, you know, keep that in in their mind that that's what's going on, instead of worrying about how long the game takes, hey, if it's going to take that much, you know what? Don't watch, <laughs> right? <laughs> or or buy another beer, another, you know, nachos and cheese or something to to get you through the game or whatever. But uh, you know, that's what's going to happen. That's what's happening, and and uh, I guess that's the way it's going to be. I think there's going to be two would be way too many changes to make it try to make it quicker because they've even talked about seven innings and all that kind of stuff and the strike zone and blah 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 but that's just the way the game's going and let's just go with it and keep having fun and and uh you know it's a baseball game it's over 100 years old let's keep playing it like that and have fun I hope so. That sounds good, Kent. I hope they'll be playing again soon. Next time we talk, we'll be talking about games that happened last night and not games that happened 35 years ago, even if it is fun <laughs> to look back on that. Uh, Kent, you be well, and we'll talk down the road, okay? Uh, thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Take care. You too, Kent. Bye-bye. Always good to catch up with Kent Herbeck. Like I said to him, I hope we can talk 
baseball in the present and not the past soon, but those nostalgia moments are always fun, and he is great to talk about uh, about those things and you know, re- really well-versed in talking about the labor situation as well, which is not you know, still not going great uh, right now. I don't know what to... I don't know what to tell you besides uh, hoping that these two sides can get close together, that the, that the owners have uh, have more of a, you know, a a realistic path to get this done, I would say, uh, going forward. Let's transition now to the Timberwolves. A big win for them on, uh, on Tuesday night. They didn't play all that well uh, for most of the game. They were shooting poorly, ended up shooting 13 or 55 from three-point range for the game, and they missed 16 free throws, 27 of 43. Um, Carl Anthony Towns had a monster game, probably the reason number 1A that they did manage to still win that game, 126 to 120 in overtime over Charlotte. Um, but, you know, it was not a uh, not a work of art, but when you can win a game like that, when you shoot that poorly, when guys not named Carl Anthony Towns, by the way, uh, were 9 for 44 from three-point range and 16 of 30 from the free-throw line. I mean, not like he was the only player who contributed. Uh, D'Angelo Russell had 18 points, 11 assists, but he shot just 5 of 20. He was a plus 17 in the game. You know, Jaden McDaniels off the bench had a really big game, 18 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks. Kind of the uh, the quintessential Jaden McDaniels puts it all together game. But you know they were trailing big, trailing by 13 in the fourth quarter, made a big rally. Towns was a big part of that um, down the stretch. And they get a win over a team that's, you know, not a great team, but not a bad team. Charlotte is 29 and 30 now, kind of in a similar boat to Minnesota. The Wolves are 31 and 27, but you lose Anthony Edwards earlier in the game to an ankle injury that looked like it was not super severe, but probably smart to keep him out of that one. Maybe it would be smart to keep him out of tonight's game as well as they kind of go towards the all-star break here, give him a chance to get healed up, get rested, things like that. It's been a long first half of the season, not even half. I mean, there's 58 games in already. This has been kind of, this is a, a late uh, a late time to have a break. They're more than two-thirds of the way into their schedule at this point, but a, a kind of win where I think someone who tweeted at me probably had it right, uh, says, um, does this mean... Uh, just from Jason, does this mean we're good because we win when we play badly? And it, probably tongue in cheek, but yeah, kind of. I think, um, I think that's kind of that's kind of a, a way to look at it because a good team finds a way to win when they don't play particularly well. And I think that that's that describes the Wolves on Tuesday night. They they did not play particularly well. They had the stretches of the game that I watched. They looked disjointed. They didn't really have much going. You know, they were you know trying to play up to the crowd probably the best crowd of the year at D'Angelo Russell's urging um but find a way to get it done and that's you know again a marker of a good team that you can still win when you don't play your best and I guess that's the best way to sum up that game in addition to Carl Anthony Towns being an absolute monster and looking like the all-star that he is this season Let's finish with the cooler. U.S. men's hockey team loses in the quarterfinals of the Olympics. A shootout and a a uh, kind of a, a a bummer at that. They they were ahead of Slovakia late. Slovakia ties it up 
in the final minute with the goalie pole, then wins in a shootout. The U.S. goes 0 for 5 in the shootout. Tough way to end what would what had been a pretty good and surprising run for a group that was, you know, pretty hastily assembled after the NHL players pulled out of the Beijing games. So too bad for that. We'll want to watch tonight, though, the women, U.S. women playing Canada in the gold medal game. That should be a great one. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, set your alarm, set your set your time. I believe that's a 10 o'clock start tonight. Uh, Minnesota time, so you will want to watch that game, see if the U.S. women can get it done this year. That will do it for today. Like I mentioned at the start of the show, Dane Moore, who does a great job covering the Wolves, uh, has a podcast. He does basically every Wolves game, which is just amazing to me. I have enough time, I have enough of a challenge sorting through everything I do on this show. To have to do so many Wolves podcasts, Wolves-specific podcasts, I tip my hat to him. I want to pick his brain on Patrick Beverly and a few other things from the week. So that will be on Thursday's show. Thanks again for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We will see you again on Thursday. 